Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Thank you again. Uh, man, God's good, is He not? Amen. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 3, two verses there. We're going to primarily look at the second half of verse 5 and verse 6. We'll look some other places and, and all. Um, I had... Uh, shared that this is uh, for everybody there's times that things get a little uh, more hectic than others, a little more pressured than others. Uh, this week has been one of those weeks. It was coming on the heel of a month that was one of those months. And I had uh, a phone call from a pastor friend of mine in Holden Beach, Frank Stanley, a lot of our folks that have been around here a little while know Frankie's visited us uh, here several times over the nearly 14 years of my pastorate here and he and his wife recovering from COVID been out of the pulpit a little bit he's going back in right now first time uh, back and he had called me and was talking and so they've had some things definitely going on in their their life and then then with things going on I was like I said, what you preaching Sunday, uh, tomorrow? This was yesterday. I said, what you preaching? And he, he was sharing with me the scripture that he had. He just was trying to pull things together. And I said, well, I've got something together. And I've got about five different places in the, the scripture that I could go. And I don't normally grab an, a, a thought and hunt a scripture to back it up. Normally it's the opposite, but this is just the way things are this week. Uh, my pastor actually told me, he said, when you have those weeks, he said, you'll preach out of the overflow and it'll be okay. Just stay close to God. And so Frank said, I've got a scripture. You've got a thought. He said, call me later and we'll talk. <laughs> Maybe we can help each other out. I think that ultimately, though, it is the... Um, There's, a, there's a, a need, I guess, within the body of Christ that has got several pastors thinking along the same lines. And I had touched on some of these thoughts in weeks past, but I just, after the, some phone calls, some texts, and different things going on this week in my own personal heart and life, just really felt led to, to take and settle down for a moment on these, this 
idea. So in Proverbs chapter 3, those two verses read like this. It it reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Now, one great thing about Proverbs, and I think that's one of the reasons that I gravitated toward that for our primary text, or God led me in this direction, it is a book primarily of wisdom. Not bent on any specific idea, train of thought, other, it's just wisdom. So with this text and a few others to support it, I want to throw this topic out there, this thought. Removing the blinders. Removing the blinders. I I am uh, confessing something this morning. I've confessed before, but just not probably to as many people. So online and done it in the first service, I'll do it here. Your pastor, as, as I can put it so I don't sound like a sissy, I'm not comfortable when everything's dark. Okay? I guess that's a polite way of saying I'm scared of the dark. My grandmother's house, there was a hallway. Everybody stayed in the den. It was on the end of the house where the carport was. Then there was the kitchen and the formal dining room. Then there was the formal living room. And then there was a bathroom and a hallway full of bedrooms and at the end of that hallway there was a door there and there was blankets in that closet how many of y'all have ever been screamed at turn the light off right if i heard that one time i heard it a million times growing up she didn't want you to turn the hall light on there was enough light coming from the den down through all them other rooms that you could see and i loved building blanket tents My granddaddy would sit in the recliner. I'd drape blankets over the top of his legs and that foot of that recliner, and I'd get up under there, and then I'd also go right down in between the foot piece and the other piece and make me this hole there and expand it out and drape blankets, and that was my little fort. But I had to go get the blankets. I would make the dash. I would get... The, the formal living room scared me a little bit. We never was allowed to go in there, but that was one of the paths that they let you. And she had a, one of those runners. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The clear plastic runner with the grips on the bottom so that when you walk through the formal living room, you didn't leave no tracks or nothing like that. You weren't allowed to touch nothing. <laughs> so I would get there, and about the time I hit that plastic runner, I would make my dash. Door open, grab my blanket, and I always failed to get the door shut and ended up having to go back again. Those empty, dark rooms, I didn't like them. And to this day, people say, there's nothing there in the dark that's not there in the light. I said, but you've got to turn the lights on to prove that. And when you turn the lights on, it's not dark no more, so you cannot say that there's nothing in the dark that's not there in the light. And so... I think the lights have been turned on. Or the blinders have been taken off in our lives. I don't know about you. 
I believe that almost as dramatic as the transformation from death to life, from, blind, from blindness to seeing in a Christian, a life of a person who has been regenerated by the Spirit of God, have been the last year and a half in the life of Americans. That we have had this, this awareness brought upon us like never before in our lifetime of the fact that there can be something out there that you can't see that could take you out. And it has brought a heightened awareness into our lives. There are constantly, there's constant bombardment of information from every which way. We, we, have, we have been uh, taxed with trying to make decisions what we should do in this situation, what we should do in that situation. And I won't get into all the stuff because if I get too deep, they'll kick us off Facebook, so I have to watch the words I say. But decision after decision after decision that we've never had to make before, questioning and wondering, do we do this? Do we go here? Should we be here? Should we be there? Even when it comes to church. And I get it. So let me dive in, and I want to take you through three major thoughts about having these blinders removed. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And he says, lean not on your own understanding. I believe that when the blinders come off, what we didn't know was there was actually there. Different than me turning the lights on at Grandma's house and all, and it's the figurines on the shelf, the knick-knack shelf, whatever you call that thing, the curio cabinets and all that stuff. Yeah, that stuff is there in the dark and in the light, but when the blinders come off in our lives, there turned out to be something there that we didn't know was there. This threat. And that's not the only thing I want to talk about this morning, but I, I do want you to understand that there are things out there when the blinders come off that we didn't know was there. We've been highly exposed. And I think this is the main thing I want you to get in this first part, is that we've been highly exposed to the frailty of human life, and it hurts. We have been highly exposed. We have, been, we have gotten an overdose of the frailty. And, and, and if I believe for our community and our area... This year seemed to be more of a, 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 a pulling off of the blinders than last year. But the frailty of human life, listen to what he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. The reality hits when the blinder comes off, does it not? And I believe that we're left, especially as Christians, but I, I will just say that that's who I'm primarily talking to today. So, but the, when the reality hits us, we'll react in one of three ways. And I think this, is, this happens in a lot of situations. I've told people before in church life that when, when the gospel of Jesus Christ impacts a life, they'll do one of three things. They'll run. We've seen people run. They'll resent, they'll cross their arms and go, you'll never change me. 
or you'll, you'll repent. This morning I want to give you a similar list, but I think we'll put the blinders back on. That's an option. Just to act like, you know, we, here's, our, here's our phrases from this year. I'm going to give you several phrases from the past year and a half. We just want things to go what? Back like they were. You see, the only problem I have with that, and we'll see it in our text, is that what if God allowed something to wake us up so that we would act different, live different, and we forsake it by just doing everything that we can, expelling all the energy that we can to just put things back like they were? Can I just submit to you that the way things were, and, and see, we have a different perspective on that in some ways. My wife often says she would love to have lived in medieval days. Loves that period, you know, the whole Renaissance stuff and all those things. And I would love to, I look back and I go, I'm with you, but I like indoor plumbing. <laughs> Amen. I'm with you, but I, I, there's a, I like the refrigerator. I have been a part of curing meat and doing all those things, but I would prefer to have electricity where I can have a way to keep stuff. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not a big fan of cannon, even though I, I've been a part of it a lot. Grew up on canned vegetables. I don't, I don't know why they call it cannon, because it's a glass mason jar. Can I get a witness? But anyhow. Regardless of all that, I, I get that. But there's some things. But I wonder if our thoughts about putting it back like it was is we had gotten so satisfied, so almost temperately boiled in the water like the frog that we really and truly were enjoying what life was like two years ago or two and a half years ago. That we, it, it, and, and please hear my heart. I'm going to say this as gently as I can because I'm speaking to myself when I say this. It's almost like the person that the doctor says you need to cut out the sweets. Or you're going to die, they're gonna cut, we're going to cut your foot off or whatever. Here you, doc. But it's so good. I believe we've been insulated and isolated as people for so long that we've even forgot what it's like to be afraid to die. We've done everything we can in our society to numb the sting of death, have we not? And I, like I said, I, I appreciate the ministry of hospice, but I've often said, even though I thank God for that grace, but I also wonder if that has not taken away, because I mean, our kids play video games and they kill these players on these video games and they see all the gore and all the stuff and then they hit reset and it just goes back. The same players are playing again. That ain't how it is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
don't lean. And that word lean not, it literally means like if I had a crutch and I was leaning on that, supporting myself. Don't support yourself with your own understanding. And if, if, if anything's true, everybody has an opinion today, right? About what's, what we need to do, what's going to happen, what does it take? Everybody has an idea. And it's that influx of information that's about to drive most of us crazy. It's just, just so much going on. But he says, do not lean on your own reasoning, your faculties, your discernment. Isn't that amazing? God, I thought you gave me this brain to use. And he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. You either put the blinders back on, you have the deer in the headlights look. It's just stalled out. Y'all, the squirrels, you know what I'm talking about. There they are. Please make a decision so I can make a decision. Or you'll seek wisdom for a new way to do things. And here's something that I've learned, and this really hit me right between the eyes as a pastor. What we're doing right now is not wrong, meeting together. That's not wrong. Sunday school classes, not saying that those are wrong. Bible studies, not saying that those are wrong, but in every one of those situations, in every one of those situations, there is somebody that is teaching a group so that that group could gain knowledge, but it's not making disciples. We've been doing this a long time. If the first century church had not had made disciples that make disciples, you and I wouldn't be here. And we wonder what's going on in the church. Why is the church doing this when it should be doing this? It's because we are not making disciples that are making disciples. We are filling people with knowledge, which is nothing but modern day Gnosticism. We're just growing in wisdom. You know, we can, get, we can get knowledge. I mean, we can sit here and Google and Google and get knowledge and all about Scripture and about all these things. We can go to Bible studies and let somebody teach us more and more information about how I'm supposed to live. And we gorge and we eat and we gorge and we eat. I know how to feed myself. And this is what has hit me between the eyes. I've spent the majority of my ministry, if not all of it, when I look back, feeding people. But I never taught them how to eat, feed themselves, and teach somebody else how to feed themselves. And we've got to stop at all cost. And there's going to be some things changing around here. And by the time we hit the first of the year, it's going to be our life. It's going to be one of the greatest missions that we have is to replicate disciples, to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. What does that got to do with the message, preacher? <laughs> Living in a way that's contrary to our normal way is scary again at best. Living in a way that's contrary to the way that we're normally living is scary at best. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, think about all that's happened and think about this. 
He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. And that means that through the journey or the course of your life, you, you and I are to acknowledge Him. And that word acknowledge means to recognize Him, to seek His will in our life and in our issues of our lives. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Don't lean on your own understanding, but you acknowledge Him. And it says He will direct your paths. In other words, and I love the way, way this means, that word direct, it means to make straight. Well, I wish I could take that word and infuse it into some people's brains. But when I say that, I, I'm making myself better than them. So I'll say this, I want God to do that in my life, and the only way that's going to happen is I have to, don't trust in my own understanding, but in all of my the course of life, I am to acknowledge Him or seek His will. And He then, in return, is going to straighten out my direction. If you go to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, you'll find that, that after the discipline, you know, if you're, if you're a child of His, you, you, you receive chastisement because He chastises all that He loves. And He says, then I want you to strengthen the arms that hang down. Strengthen the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. If you leave a crooked trail, the people come behind you will have a hard time making it down the road. See, I too have been rattled by this whole mortality thing. I've always known that we are frail. I get that. I've always known that. We, we're not far from the celebration of 9-11. We just, just yesterday. And, and, and listen, to the, listen to our phrases that we put out. Where were you when the world stopped turning? Let me rephrase that. Where were you when the blinders come off? I was in a break room at Michelin Tire Company, one of their plants, doing my normal routine. I would buy a Snickers bar, and a Diet Coke, because I thought the Diet Coke would cancel out the Snickers bar. It makes logical sense to me. I'm a math, I'm a math guy, you know. Diet, good. Sugar, bad. Eat the sugar first, then do the diet. It, you know, A plus B equals C, but not true. Ricky Talbert and I were standing there in the break room. Everybody, we were in management. Everybody in hourly was back on the floor. And I'll never forget even getting the words out of my mouth. What movie is this? And there were a lot of people that said those same words. And then we seen the banner going across the bottom of the screen. The next one hits. Even the timeline in that thing is so short, is it not? In just a matter of two hours. Or less than two hours, really. Our blinders are ripped off churches begin to feel but it seems like they we put the blinder back on didn't we never did we ever believe that we could be attacked never you see i want to submit something to you today the reason that we are where we are today it's not because of any one 
four-year term of a president. My trust is not in, and I, I say this with all my heart, I've prayed about this statement for two weeks now. And God has secured in my heart that it's all good. My, my hope and my trust is not in the current administration who has blood on their hands for the death of the people in Af Afghanistan and the death of the church in Kabul. But my, my trust wouldn't end Trump either. And if I would have been a Christian alive in that day, if I could take me now and move me back to the days of Reagan, Nixon, don't matter, Washington, my trust would not be in them. My trust is in a holy God. See, any man or any woman in an administrative office that does what they wish and not what the will of God is, is doing wrong. Point blank. Just that simple. But I trust that that God that I serve is greater. I've had people ask me this question through, the week, through this week. They're having pressure put on them in so many ways. Preacher, can you take me in the Bible and show me the answer to this question? Where I should or whether I shouldn't, whether I, whatever. And I had this conversation with my middle daughter as we rode down the road yesterday. Uh, and Christy, my wife, was with, with us. And the grandbaby sitting in the car seat. I said, see, our, our pro I believe our problem is this. That it's simple that we've not trusted daily in the will of God because we don't know the will of God for our lives. We're not close enough. We don't have, we, we've tuned in too much to other external sources to where the, that our hearts are over, more overcome by the things that we hear other people say rather than us hearing the voice of God speaking through His Word. And I'm just going to say, this is how He speaks. I have to put this in because this is just who I, uh, what I believe. That if you want to hear God speak, you don't have to get alone to hear some still small voice. Read the Word of God and God is speaking. If you want to hear Him speak audibly, He speaks audibly today. You read it aloud. You read His Word, hear Him speak. This is what's called a closed canon. Most all Christians, most all evangelicals would say that the canon is closed. God spoke, and here it is. I sit at the Rutherford County Hospital one time with the Rutherford County uh, Hospital Board there in attendance and with the chaplaincy board dealing with a serious issue in the chaplaincy program. Somebody on the chaplaincy board looked across the table and said, or just, and said somebody in this room is narrow-minded. And I said, well, I'll go ahead and clear the table. That's me. I said, it's from one leather cover to the other. If you've got a study Bible, it's about an inch and a half, two inches. If it's a slim line, it's about three quarters to an inch. I said, and if it's not in between there, we're not doing it. Not on my clock. He's spoken. 
And just like I told them at the men's conference, what do you do in the gap when God speaks, but then God's quiet and He don't speak for a while? You always go off of the last thing He said. Abraham takes Isaac up on the mountain, but before he takes him, God speaks. Chapter 22, verse 2, he speaks. He doesn't speak again until verse 11. So eight verses there, we don't have record of God saying anything to Abraham. But he told him to take him up to the mountain, he did. So where is God at in the gap? He's speaking. He spoke in verse 2. So what he said in verse 2 is with him in verse 3, 4, 5, and right on down until he speaks again in verse 11. So every day of our lives... And I'll put this plug in there. How, how do you love your wives? How do you stay plugged in? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Is there anything else? If it is, He'll tell you when He comes back. Because He's not going to speak again till He comes back because He's spoken. See, if this is not closed, then anybody that says, hey, God has spoken to me, then we have to open this back up and insert it in. And there's a group that does that. They speak ex cathedra. In other words, as if God is still speaking to a man to add something to this book. But I don't believe that. Because the Bible says in Hebrews that in the old days He spoke through His prophets. And those. But today He speaks through Jesus Christ, His Son. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I want to take you to a verse of Scripture that I think helps bring things around. Acts. In Acts chapter... Whoop, get over here. Acts chapter 27. In Acts chapter 27, I want to read you these verses. I want you to hear these things drop into place, and maybe I can encourage you that while the blinders are off... Let's not put the blinders back on. If we have been given a gift from God in the mix of all of this time that we're going through, it is the fact that things are not normal and there is a great chance. And I want you to hear my heart. I'm not trying to be some prophet or something like that, but I'm just telling you, I doubt very seriously things will ever be back like they were. So what do we do? We go into God's Word. We take God's Word for what it says, and we move forward with His Word because it's what we're supposed to do. And I'll, I'll, I'll share this. So verse 13. So I'm going to go verse 13. And read down through. Don't you listen? This is Paul on a missionary journey. Verse 13 says, When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous head wind arose called a Eurocladon, which is a nor'easter. And if you've ever watched anything on TV about sailing and fishing and all that stuff, we have those things up north here. Nor'easter wind blows. Terrible storm, same deal. It is a bad situation. One of the worst situations you could be in on the water. Verse 15, so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive, which means that we let the wind drive it. Then running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. In other words, they're trying to batten down the hatches. And when they had taken it on board... They used cables to undergird the ship. Fearing 
lest they should run aground on the Sirtis sands, they struck sail, so we were driven. You get the picture. This is not a modern day vessel. And stay with me, because I'm going to land this plane fast and hard. They're, they're, they're not in some modern day ship. They're still learning about shipbuilding. They took cables and put basically like a skeleton on the boat to try to hold it together. They're up under the boat, how they did that, I ain't got no idea. That's a good, that's a good trick. I'm going to try that one day because I, I can't, it's hard enough to stand in a boat when the waves are rocking it, much less get something up under the belly of it and get it in place. But they did it to try to hold it together. No motor, no lights. No powered lights. They didn't see the stars. We'll read it here in just a moment. For days. Tossed about in the dark. Verse 18. And because we were exceedingly tempest tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day we threw the ship's tackle, the stuff that they needed to sail the ship with. <laughs> threw it overboard. And they did it, helped do it with their own hands. They were pitching in. Can you imagine? I'd be in the same way. Can I help? <laughs> is there any way that I can help? Because this is not cool. Verse 20, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Did you hear that? Listen to that verse. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. I know what that's about. I don't know every situation that that's about. We've got a family right now that basically has heard those same words. Without a miracle, your son has been in this car wreck. Now there's seven days today into it. And I'm not saying, just hear me, I'm just saying those words we've heard in our hearts and even today, with all the pandemic stuff, all the other stuff, I know, I know the deal. I've got a friend who has a father in, a, in, in another country, another, on another continent in Africa. He can't get to his dad. His dad is in the hospital with COVID. Takes me last night, not looking good. Bleak situations. We've got folks in our family right now praying for in the hospital, on vent. My brother just got home just a couple weeks ago by the grace of God. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete to incur these disasters and loss. Do not miss these words. He is telling the people in charge that you went the wrong way. I hope that sinks in. Because all this is about one person being in the will of God and how it's affecting all the people around. And the people that are in charge of driving the ship are going, to, went, they went the way that the man of God and the will of God said, don't go. Listen to what he says. And now I urge you to take heart, verse 22, 
for there will be no loss of life. Among you, and I think that's important, he said there will be no loss of life among you, and he's going to tell why in just a minute. For there should uh, stood by me this night an angel of the, and I love how he puts it, the angel of the God whom I belong and who I serve. Do you hear the heart of the Apostle Paul? There stood by me an angel of the Lord of the God of whom I belong and of whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Why is there going to be no loss of life in that storm? And that's the important thing. You've got to understand everybody that was on that ship, including Paul, died. Just not that day. Please catch this. And I, I'm taking a, a little liberty with just a couple minutes to help you drive this home because I think this is important. Dear God, if we can sit and watch this horrible news on TV for hours upon hours and watch our phones, we can take an extra five minutes to listen to God. Listen to, listen to this. He said, nobody on this journey is going to be lost because God said so. He was in the will of God, even though that they steered the boat the wrong way, left at the wrong time, the boat is going to be toward... And matter of fact, he says, do not be afraid, Paul. Well, matter of fact, listen up. There would be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. And I'm just going to say this out there like this. If you are in the will of God, God is going to take care of you until God is done with you, even if there is no U.S. of A. The material possessions and the things that are on this earth and the creation that's here is expendable. What is important are souls that are going to live for eternity. That's what's important. That's what God's in the business of is the souls of men and women and boys and girls and a man or a woman and a boy or a girl that is in the will of God or people that are tagging along with somebody that's in the will of God. If God so chooses, they won't leave out of here until God's done with them. The question is, are you in the will of God? Are you in the will of Do you know that you're in the will of God? Listen to what he says. Saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as he told me. My Bible tells me that he who has begun a good work in me will see it through until the day of completion. That there is... Nothing that comes against you, height, nor depth, nor breadth, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, things conjured up by people on this earth that shall separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So even, even the storms of life that we go through now, 
can't take you out of Christ if you're in Christ Jesus because you didn't get in Christ because of anything that you could do, not because of anything that you could say, not because of your sincerity of your heart. And I love when I hear, now make sure you pray this prayer sincerely. Are you kidding me when the Bible says that if you come to Him, you're drawn to Him by the Spirit of God? And that you and I have been given the precious gift of grace and faith that we might believe in Him? Nicodemus come to him by night. He told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, let me go ahead and answer the question that you're going to ask before you mask it. It don't say those words, but that's basically what it gets down to. You must be born again. And it means being born from above. Nicodemus couldn't get it in his head because he thought of natural things. I'm just trying to tell you today that you and I Let me give you this statement. The only biblical reason a Christian should have for concern about dying is because we are concerned about the lost people that we've not witnessed to. The Apostle Paul said, for me, it's better if I go. But for you, it's better if I stay. That if we're in the business of people, that should trump everything else. That should come before everything else. And that our rights should be carefully, we should be careful when demanding our rights in this life because that's something else we hear. I have a right. And I, and I, hey, I want you to hear my heart. I, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a sojourner here in America. Kind of like my, my citizenship in America, I look at more as a passport to be here. And I, I, ha, I feel that I have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I believe that. But Paul had a right in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He said, I can eat meat. As a matter of fact, I can eat whatever I want to. It's all cool. He said, but for your sake, for the gospel's sake, I'm not going to demand my rights outside of demonstrating my responsibilities. We have a responsibility to the gospel before we have a right to demand what we should have and should not have. It's always the gospel first. Always. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ had the gospel on his heart? He is the gospel. Aren't you glad that Jesus was coming to do the will of the Father? And you do realize they killed him on the cross, right? I know he's alive today, but you do realize that, right? I'm not excited about people dying, by no means. But I'm a whole lot more interested today than I ever have been in living in God's will until He's done with me. I'm going home. I don't know about you. I'm going home one day. I'm going, I mean, I'm serious. If I believe He can take me from here to wherever there is, I think he can handle everything else. I just wonder if he's not rattled the church and there's actually people out there that don't have that assurance. They've been going along and they, they, they've hung on to the demanding their right that they're going to, you know, my eternal security, I'm, de, you know, demanding that right, but never displayed the regenerative power of the work of God in their lives. That's why Paul 
He said, I beat my body into submission I, 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 so, that, so that I might share the, basically, so I share the gospel. It's all for the gospel's sake. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, for just a second. Maybe right there where you're at, I know it's a lot to take in. We're going to dig into it more over the, over the course of, uh, as long as God gives us, we'll keep digging into it and living it. But, so here's a question or two. Do you need to, over the course of the next week or however long, take some of these things, absorb them in, let God speak to you, get into His Word, so that God might help you with where you're at in His will? Because if you need to make a decision at a particular place of employment, the biggest question you need to ask God before anything else, because this is what matters, are you supposed to be there? You know? I mean, that question to me goes over and above the other stuff. Because if you're supposed to be there, and don't you hear my heart, if you're supposed to be there or anywhere else in this world, then there is not a shipwreck or nothing that can take you out of here ahead of God's time. The same thing that we want to be protected from, one, some wonder if it will hurt us. I'm just going to have to declare by the Word of God that neither one of them, if you're in His will, can take you out of hand. How could it? Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me that I was a sinner that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept Him as the Lord of my life and follow Him, that He would change my life. And that's exactly what He's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today, before God, just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept His payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for Him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.